And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, your good and precious word. God, we just ask that you would humble our hearts this morning, that you would speak to us, that you would minimize distractions and allow us to focus on you. God, I pray that your um, gentleness and your grace would fill our hearts, that we would be built up in unity and in the body of Christ through Justin's word this morning. God, I pray that you would use him as a vessel we love you, Lord, and we just um, pray for you to move in our hearts this morning. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Patrice. Thank you, worship team. If you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians 4. We're in a series right now called The Gathered Church. And we're just uh, taking a few weeks to describe what it is that we do when we come here, when we gather as the church, as the people of God. And so we've spent a few weeks talking about baptism, we've talked about communion, we've talked about membership, we've talked about preaching, and this morning we are talking about leadership. And uh, interesting enough, I had the opportunity this past week uh, with Greg and his wife and my wife, as well as Britton and Brittany, who pastor Ecclesia Lehi, and, uh, and we got to, to get away this week at an Acts 29 retreat. If you're not familiar with Acts 29, Acts 29 is a church planning network that we're a part of. It's not a denomination, but it's a network of churches that are organized in a way that we're going to partner together, that we're going to help resource one another to help advance the kingdom of God. And so we are participating with one another, resourcing one another, resourcing other churches, planning churches together, and I was so encouraged as we gathered this week to, to kind of hear an update, and, and I'll share a few of those things with you. Uh, one, last year during COVID, Acts 29 planted 24 churches. Now, I can't imagine being a church starting in the midst of a global pandemic. It, it seems crazy. Uh, the, last year, all of uh, Acts 29 leadership uh, really shifted. Our guy who has been leading the West, a guy by the name of Brian Howard, uh, stepped into full executive director role and has begun implementing what we've been doing here in the Western United States, really across the entire nation. Unbelievable uh, opportunity as he steps into that role. We saw last year there was... Uh, a church in Malawi, a country in Africa, that literally they had a thousand people gathering 
at this church, and this church was approaching winter and did not have windows. Now, all they needed was windows, and it was $20,000, and several churches in Acts 29 came together, and they bought windows. Now, here's what's crazy. It's $20,000 by windows in Malawi, but $80,000 plants a church for 1,000 people to gather in Malawi, which is unbelievable, and they're planting churches like crazy. So, Acts 29 as a network is helping plant churches all over the world. They launched wives support, so every single pastor's wife within our network. There's over 500 churches just in the U.S. There's about 140 churches just in the western United States. And so they've implemented ways to care for pastor's wives. They've implemented a, a, a way to care for pastors. They've implemented for, for counseling for pastors. They've implemented in ways where a church needs to part way for, with their pastor, that they, they help transition that church that they step in. They planted a, a seminary called Grimke Seminary, which currently has 200 students in it. So Acts 29 last year started Grimke Seminary, has 200 students that are working on master's degree training church planners. There's about 140 candidates ready to plant churches. And here's what I said. I'm like, we are committed as a network of churches more than ever to make disciples, plant churches, preach the good news of Jesus till every man, woman, child hears about Jesus. And here's what I'm doing. I'm sitting here listening to this as they begin to share this, and I go, how in the world does an organization organize it in a way that leads to fruitfulness and movement like Acts 29. And I began to reflect on that, and I began to just pause because in the last few years, it just seems like this wave of, of, of just thunder has just taken over Acts 29. And, and I look at that and I go, I want to see that happen in our church. I want to see that happen in our city. I want to see that happen in, in churches all across our city. How, how is it that, that we, how should we organize or structure ourselves? What are some common threads? How does this happen? How does an organization go from dreams, ideas, and vision to fruitful ministry and movement? And I think Ephesians chapter 4 tells us, and that's what we're going to talk about today. It's all about leadership. Leadership. In Ephesians 4, we read, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. We hear in this that it takes a lot of different people with a lot of different gifting to help bring the church together and to mobilize it in a way that's fruitful. So here's the first point. Fruitful ministry occurs when everyone is committed to serving the family. Fruitful ministry occurs when everyone's committed to serving the family. That's one of the traits, not only do I see here, is that we need apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, and we need all of those giftings to come to the table. I look at that and I go, within Acts 29, the reason you step into Acts 29 as a network is because you're committed to serve and resource other churches, other plants. Now, here's my question. When you walk in this room, do you come in as a member of Ecclesiastes? as a participant in Ecclesia going, I am not just someone who sits and is a spectator, but I'm a participator. Like, I get involved. I'm here to serve the family. I'm a part of this because I want to see fruitful ministry happen. And so that's a, that's a shift for us. That's a shift from walking in the doors and just sitting and watching to actually serving. We need every single person to be committed. 
which means there's some of you in the room who are apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, and we need all of you to utilize your gifting. Not one person builds the church. It's not just the apostle's job as we read. It doesn't say that he gave apostles for the building of the church, for the maturing of, of, of people in Jesus Christ. It says a whole list of people. We need everyone. We need, it's not just the teacher's job. But we do have a job, and all of our job is to equip the saints for works of ministry. What I love is several weeks ago, we, we hosted a leader dinner here at Ecclesia, and what's, what's I, I, I really see really transitioning in the life of our church. I remember being in the early days, Amber and I starting this thing in our basement, and, uh, and it, it really was us. We were serving the family, and over time, more and more people came and, and joined, but it was a gift to be here probably a month or two ago and see over 75 people who were involved in serving the Ecclesia family people that are committed in some way, they're utilizing, they're gifting, they're shaping, their abilities, their experiences to help serve this family. What a gift. And what we see in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is, is we see that the body is not made up of one person. It's not made up of, of one body part. It's made up all of these parts, all of these things make up the body. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12 through 20. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Jump down to verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And it's just this picture, we need all of you in all of your gifting to serve. If we want to participate and, and be a part of seeing the kingdom of God advance, it really becomes the place where all of us get involved. Not just apostles, not just pastors, not just teachers, but all of us. I remember uh, in my last few years of, of serving, I was a student pastor in Texas for several years before uh, we moved here. And, uh, and, and our student ministry, we had several hundred students in our student ministry. So our student ministry was larger than our congregation even here. And, and as a student minister, as a high school pastor, I had eight people on my staff. So I had eight staff members overseeing high school ministry. Unbelievable, right? That's Texas ministry for you, okay? So eight people. Now here's what happens is I had over 80 volunteers in my ministry, 80 adults, 80 parents, 80 students that, that wanted to serve other people. And those 80 came, and, and they were there, and they were participating every week. But we found out that there, th over time, we kind of reached a plateau. We kind of reached a point where we weren't continuing to see like our, our ministry grow and see further fruitfulness. And here's why. Because it came to a point with those eight staff members that, that they said, well, you got eight staff, so what are we needed for? So in great fashion and in my youthfulness, I was like, well, Let's get rid of the eight staff members then. And so that's what we did. Now, we gave them time. 
Don't, don't look upon me and say, oh my gosh, he's so harsh, right? Like, what's going to happen to the staff here at Ecclesia? Nothing, all right? One of the things that we did, we, we gave these guys time, we helped them transition, but my thing was I wanted to put the ministry back into the hands it belongs. The ministry of the church doesn't belong to pastors. The ministry of the church belongs to you, the church. You are the ones who are carrying that out. You are the ones. He gives the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers for fruitful ministry. Matthew chapter 9, 35. We prayed this over and over and over when we first arrived here. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And what does he see when he looked upon the crowds in verse 36? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And that was our prayer. And we believe that God is answering that prayer. And so this morning, this isn't a knock on us as a church. This isn't me sitting here hammering down and being like, you need to serve. This is me celebrating. I believe our church is shifting into this where we are seeing more of our church mobilized into ministry. If you look upon this platform, we see multiple people leading each and every week. When you look at at, at our church as a whole, we see more and more people coming in and serving in different capacities and roles, and we're thankful for that. The second thing I want to point out to lead to fruitful ministry, fruitful ministry occurs when everyone understands their role within the family. So it's great that there are some apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, but which one are you? What is your role? What is your gifting? I heard someone say before, what is your shape? It's an acronym for what are your spiritual gifts? What do you have a heart for? What What are your abilities? What are your passions? What are your experiences? God has crafted you in a certain way that you would form a certain part of the body of Christ here at Ecclesia, that you have certain talents, gifts, and abilities that our church needs, that our church is, is looking for and longing for and desiring to employ here in our church. And so when you understand your role, when you understand what it is that you're gifted at, you get to come along and, and serve, and we get to see fruitful ministry. We see this happen in Acts chapter six. It's this topic of elders and deacons, and we're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. But in in Acts chapter six, we see that the elders realize that they're serving tables. It's not that serving tables is below them. It's just that they realize that at some point, these people aren't adequately being cared for, and we need to raise up new leaders. And so in Acts chapter 6, it says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, and a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because the widows were being neglected. There was a need. There was an organizational uh, conflict here that took place, and they were being neglected. There were people in the church not being cared for. And it says, And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Again, it's not that it's below them. All right? If you look this morning, this isn't to brag on me, but I'm over here sweating trying to figure out how to cool this thing down so Joe doesn't burn his toes off when he gets inside. Like, there's nothing that's below us. And Jesus says that he who wants to be great must serve. That's our our, our desire, our heart's desire, is that all of us would serve. 
But there's a sense in which we all need to work within our gifting. If, if, if there's certain things that I'm pulled from, that I'm gifted and talented in, and that God has called me to serve in, then we're li- honestly not working towards fruitfulness. And honestly, if I'm stepping in doing that, I'm not allowing you to utilize the gifts and the blessing you get to use when you step in and serve. And so this is the idea of, of, of this idea that all of us have a role. Now, this might be a, a topic of debate, but as Ecclesia, we hold to a complementarian view, all right? If you don't know what that is, you're welcome to go look it up and inscribe. But basically what that means is we see equal value within male and female, but different roles. There's different roles and responsibilities. We see this given in Genesis. I, uh, recently, we walked through a thing on biblical manhood with several men in our church, and uh, we watched a video called The Work, and the work is, is basically, it's, it's, a, it's a, a small group therapy that happens in prisons all across the United States. And they bring in several men from the outside, just school teachers and regular Joes off the street, and they bring them into this group therapy session. And what's interesting is you begin to see where there is a lack of a father, a child doesn't flourish. Where there, and, and it's not... It's not that there wasn't a mom to fill that role. It wasn't that there wasn't. It's that a dad, a father, is supposed to play a very significant role. There's certain roles and responsibilities that a dad plays in the life of a child. And where a dad is absent, the child is unable to flourish. And we saw numerous cases, grown men, 30s and their 40s and their 50s, looking back all the way into, into their childhood of, of being eight years old, nine years old, of significant moments of where their dad wasn't present. Dads, you have a role on a day like today, like Father's Day. Obviously, it's a day to sit back and, and be like, man, I, I get the joy of being a dad, but also the weight and responsibility. There's a role. And within a church, God has not only organized family structures that way, but he's organized churches in that way. He's given elders and deacons and members, and he's given certain talents and abilities and apostles and prophets and shepherds and teachers. And all of us are organized in a way, and when all of those things are organized, when there's organizational clarity about what it is that you're called to do, what role you serve here, then there's fruitful ministry that can take place. So what are elders, deacons, members? Just as a brief description, my good friend Jim Applegate, who wrote a book called Engage the Church, he's a pastor in Acts 29, he said, elders are called to be overseers. They're responsible for leading the body prayerfully and in the ministry of the word. They listen to the Lord for his vision for the specific church the elders are leading. After hearing vision, sifting vision, it's time to set up the basic structure of organizational systems. That's what elders do. Deacons. Deacons come alongside, and they bring more clarity and detail so that there would be no confusion for the members. If I can describe, we have not necessarily pointed out like, hey, we have deacons, but we do have people serving in these roles. I would tell you, there's five women that serve alongside me in vision and helping clarify vision, and these women are serving in a deacon role with us here at Ecclesia. These five women meet with me monthly, talk through like this is the vision, and they help bring organizational clarity to it so that we don't stand up here and confuse you. That's a gift. We, we love the journey that we get to spend with them. I, I think about uh, our kids' team. 
And, and we have several people who are serving underneath Chris as, as the elder who's overseeing that. But there's several people who are bringing organizational clarity. And Chris says, amen, right? Because that's not necessarily our gifting. Our gifting may not necessarily be Here's how we bring all of this to, together, and here's how we communicate it. So we're thankful to have people walking alongside us in that. Deacons are the ones that are called to help manage the system and implement the vision. Members are part of the body. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we talk about a hand, a foot. There's specific gifting in which you come together and you serve. And the role of a member is to show up and do so that the Christ but so that Christ's body will be built up. Now, what role? Again, going back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, he gave some to be apostles, he gave some to be prophets, he gave some to be evangelists, he gave some to be shepherds, he gave some to be teachers. And you may be like, I'm not any of those. And we're going to get into that here in a second. But I want to ask you a question this morning. I want you to look through these sets of questions and I want you to read through, and I want you to ask yourself, which one of these is most important to you? Now, if you're here this morning, and you read through it, and you're in Christ, you're like, all of those are important. But one of those is most important. Take a look, reflect. Are God's people studying His Word and living it out? Is that important? Obviously, yes. But is that the most important thing to you? Are God's people moving into new areas and advancing the kingdom? Are God's people hearing his voice and living into it? Are God's people compassionately caring for people? Are God's people engaging outsiders and seeing them come into the kingdom? All right, everybody got one? All right, here's the answers. This is a brief test, all right? You look up, those who are all about studying his word and living it out as a teacher, those who are in community group and like, I just wish we would open the Bible more. I just wish we'd be so Bible-centric. That's the teacher. That's the person. You, you're gifted in that way. The apostle. I'm like, I love the Bible, and the Bible's essential, but we need to, like, get out of this room. We need to quit gathering around in circles, and we need to go reach, like, our city. We need to go reach. That's me. That's what I do. All right? The prophet, our God's people hearing his voice and living into it. The shepherd, are God's people compassionately caring for people? I love this. The apostle and the shepherd rub each other really like a lot because they're like, we just need to care for this room. And I'm like, this room's great. You guys are, you guys are doing awesome. What about the rest of the city who doesn't know the good news of Jesus? We want to take the gospel there. And thankfully, even as a, as a church, as, as in our makeup of leadership, we need all of those giftings. We need a prophet's voice in our church. We need a teacher's voice. We need a, a teacher's voice. We need all of those voices speaking in. And so what does that lead me to do? It, it, it leads me to be submissive to the other voices. I need to submit and make sure that we're hearing these other voices in our church. And so you got to know your role. That's one of the things that, that we really enjoy doing. We love coming alongside people and helping them understand their role. When we first moved here, Lila Kate uh, joined a soccer team. I think they were like four or five years old. No one knows their role on a soccer team at four and five years old, right? They just run around the field. And, and over time, people start understanding, oh, I have a position. I have a role to serve. And obviously, 
the, the soccer team is more fruitful in what they're able to do when they realize, I have a position. I can't leave this position. I'm not just chasing the ball. I, I'm meant to play this position, and I have a certain role and responsibility. And when you do that, you win, and we want to win, all right? Third thing is this. Fruitful ministry occurs when everyone is equipped for their role within the family. You might ask, what is my role? And then we're like, but how do I get equipped for my role? And that's where we see Ephesians 4.12. It says, to equip the saints for works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Our heart and our desire is to equip you. If you're there, if you're sitting here today, and you're like, I want to serve, but I don't know how, there's room for you. There's space for you, and we want to help equip you. I have never been fully equipped for something when I stepped out and did it, including planning this church. You know what's happening? Over time, God is growing me in my leadership capacity. God is growing me in my gifting. God is growing me in, in my ability to help shepherd, to help lead, to help cast vision. I had enough, but God is growing me. And it's important for me as an individual to grow with the organization. But our job is to come and equip. Now, I, I want to create a bold call because I was sitting last week. We, we did a retreat in Vail, Colorado. It was beautiful. I was sitting there having breakfast with Amber. And I really felt like I believe the Lord is calling. This may come as a shock. Someone in here to plant a church within the next two years. And you may be in corporate America right now. You may be in a secular job. And you're like, no way. I have no idea what that even looks like. I, I truly believe, even right now, God is stirring in someone's heart the desire to plant, and we want to help equip. I heard over and over and over again, I look at my, my buddies in Acts 29 that are in Alaska, they're raising up family members to plant churches. So, so when I look at this, I, I see my pastor buddy, and, and he plants a church, and then he he raises up someone to pastor the church. He raises up his brother. He raises up his brother-in-law. He raises up his cousin. And he's planting churches all across Alaska. And my desire and my heart is, I believe that someone in here, that God is going to move in their life, and it may be a shock. Even right now, as, as we begin to cast this vision, you're like, oh man, there's no way. We want to equip. But we want to equip for every role. Church planner role is not, not the most significant role. We want to equip for every role that there is to serve in this body. Fourth thing, fruitful ministry occurs when everyone is valued for the role they serve within the family. Fruitful ministry occurs when everyone is valued for the role they serve within the family. Hear me. There's roles within our church that are obviously more visible, like this preaching role that I get to serve in. But I want you to know that I could never do this if it weren't for 20, 30, 40 other volunteers that come in that are unseen, that set the room, that prepare the room, that try to cool the room even though everyone's sweating. That, that prepare this, this in a way in which we get to come and hear and experience, and we're blessed because of it. 
the reality is, is the members of our church each is, is valued and, and is really more valuable than any specific role like mine in the sense of just teaching. And not to minimize this role, because what I do, I believe, is important with which I spend significant time every week preparing to do. But in the body of Christ, there's not one part that is more valuable than the other. Ephesians 4.16, it says, "From, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, and only then, Which means the fruitfulness of my preaching ministry is only going to be done when every single person in our church is using and utilizing their gifts properly, which means we're all valuable, which means you matter, which means what you bring to the table is significant and needed. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you got that for me? It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. It's that picture of going like, the things that we don't even see are so essential, so needed. And it's not to stack one against the other, elders over deacons, over members. The truth is, if we're going to see fruitful ministry happen, it's when we all value each other. When we all look at each other in the eye and go, what you bring to ecclesia matters. What you bring to ecclesia is significant. The way in which God has made you and shaped you is needed here. We need it. There's not one part of the body that's indispensable. So when I look at Acts 29, as I did this week, as I reflect, I look at Brian Howard, who's the executive director and leading that, And I go, he's gifted. He's very gifted. But I look around Brian Howard and I go, there are so many people that he platformed and said, hey, I want you to know, let me share with you what he's doing, what she's doing, what they're doing. Let me me share with you the roles and capacities in which they're, because they're valued. And and I look at that and 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 I find this, encouraging because what Brian Howard does is he doesn't lead out of his own strength. He finds people that are gifted and he deploys them. And what I would say to you is, as I think back over the past seven years as we've been a church here, there's a lot where initially it felt like it was mine. Like, This was my story. I was coming. I was bringing my family. And eventually I'm like, oh, my kids are being written into this story. But here's what I would tell you. Every person who comes and is deployed within the work of Ecclesia, God is writing you into his story. The good news of the gospel is that this story isn't just for me. The story isn't just for my family or just for my kids. The story's for you. You're a part of it. God is using you to write history and bring people into the kingdom of God. Without Ecclesia, we wouldn't have an opportunity to celebrate with Joe today. 
Without ecclesia and the body of Christ, like we wouldn't get to walk alongside and continue discipleship with Joe. We wouldn't get to meet more Joes. And I like Joe. I want to meet more Joes. He's embarrassed that I'm even pointing him out. But our desire and our heart is, is that we all get to participate in that story. We all do. That's the beauty of the gospel, that God not only saves us, redeems us, but he invites us into his kingdom work. He gives us purpose, he gives us significance, he gives us meaning, and he deploys us to help build the kingdom of God. When a church does that, when a church comes together in that way, that's when fruitful ministry, that's when movement, momentum takes shape. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for everyone that has come and is being deployed within our church. Lord, I, I acknowledge my gifting, my limited capacity, my limited abilities, and I praise you for making people different. The Lord, that you have wired people differently, that you've given them different shaping, a different heart, a different passion, different experiences in life. But God, you've called us together at this one time in history to join together and make a unique family called Ecclesia here in Salt Lake City that seeks to do ministry and advance the gospel. And so I'm blessed to be a part of it. I am shepherded by this body, by the gifts of people that are a part of this body. And I'm thankful that there are not 50 Justin Bindles running around. I'm thankful, Lord, for a Steve Goldring, for Brad Buchanan, for Wes Shellnut, for Gabriel McQueen, for Joe Jones, for an Amber Bindle, for a Kristen Longley, for an Emily Six. I'm thankful for the way in which you shaped this body to bless one another, to be built up together in Christ. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.